Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Film Haven Reviews. I am your host Sawyer as always, and today we are starting a brand new theme, a really fun theme, and one that I am personally very excited for. You know, last theme we did, it was very, uh, is full of classics, you know, classics within the cinema world. And today we're kind of doing the same thing in a way. Uh, we are still kind of in this classic era because, um, Although today we're talking about a very recent movie, Godzilla Minus One, from this year. Or, I don't know, 2023, I guess, is when it came out. But I saw it this year in 2024. Regardless, this movie takes us back to a very classic movie, the original Godzilla from 1954. I mean, it's one of the most famous movies of all time. And it's obviously spawned, like, literally, I don't even know, countless amounts of movies afterwards. You've got the Japanese Godzilla movies. I was just looking through them yesterday, and oh my god, there's so many, so many. I mean, there's Godzilla's son of Godzilla. There's Godzilla fights Ghidorah, Godzilla and Mothra, all the monsters fighting together. I mean... It just keeps going and keeps going. There's a whole run pretty much from the 50s to now. There has been a movie, a Godzilla movie, every year or every other year, sometimes multiple in a year. I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy to, to think of the legacy that this one movie from 1954 has created. And so, just like with last theme, I'm actually going to be going in reverse order. So, I'm starting with the newest Godzilla, Godzilla Minus One, and then we're going to be going kind of back a little bit towards the original. Now, I mean, I've been wrestling so much about which movies to do, but I really just kind of picked, you know, the for the second movie, I picked one that just I just really want to get to, <laughs> and it's uh, one I've heard really good things about, and also one that I've heard has a lot of commentary to it as well, and that's kind of the point for me, because this movie, Godzilla Minus One, has a lot of commentary, and of course, the original also has a lot of commentary to it, um, being this post-war movie. I mean, the movie came out in 1954, and in this movie, it takes place like just in the late 40s, so it's kind of interesting how that works, um, and I think that there's definitely a lot of play uh, with I mean, I haven't seen the 54 movie, but I, I can definitely tell. And from what I've read, it, there's a lot of callbacks to the original movie. And one of the reasons why it's a callback in some ways is because it is uh, there's a lot of political commentary and social commentary within the movie. So this week we are going to be doing Godzilla minus one. Next week we'll be doing Shin Godzilla from 2016. And then we will be doing the original 1954 Godzilla movie. And the theme is sort of like all three of the movies are Japanese versions of Godzilla. And all three of the movies uh, seem to have pretty heavy social commentary. Something that we can chew on and have some fun with. Um, so yeah, now I may in the future, just because this is so fun, uh, you know, maybe a year from now. Or, you know, might be not, not won't be anytime soon, but I may do one, um, another Godzilla one where I kind of take some of the like deep cut Godzilla movies throughout the decades and kind of do a theme based off of that. Like, you know, if basically like if you like the idea of Godzilla, but don't know where to start, here's some like kind of, you know, under the radar, really good gems because there's literally like 30, 40 movies at least of Godzilla, you know, in the Godzilla, the kaiju films. But anyway, let's actually talk about the movie that, you know, this episode's about. So I'm going to stop rambling about what we're doing with the theme, and I'm going to actually talk about the movie. So Godzilla Minus One, I had so much fun with this film. It was uh, a breath of fresh air. I like Godzilla movies. I haven't seen like a million of them, but I have seen a few. I've seen a lot of the, the newer ones, the, the American ones, and I, I didn't really love the 2014 Godzilla movie. I thought the human stuff was really vanilla. Um, and then, but the Godzilla stuff was good. It just wasn't much that was towards the end. That was pretty much it. 
Um, and then I loved King of Monsters, God, the second one, I guess. Uh, Godzilla King of Monsters was super fun, and I saw it like twice in theaters. I really enjoyed that movie. Similarly, the human story is kind of dumb, um, but the the actual Godzilla action, him fighting Ghidorah and Mothra coming in, I mean, it was just so fun. I, I really enjoyed that, and, and it kind of reminded me, like, this is the kind of movie you want to watch in the theaters. Like, I haven't seen uh, King of Monsters at home and i just feel like it wouldn't hit the same like there's something about watching a godzilla film or a kaiju film in theaters that really just like it just ups, ups the ante it, it really increases the the blood flow you know you really get into it and this movie is no different one thing that i love about this movie more than the others is that the human story actually kind of takes the lead in this film which is way different than the other ones that i've seen it's almost always the human story is just a vehicle for them to show Godzilla action and stuff like that, which is kind of fine. I mean, that's what you're expecting with this kind of movie, but that's what makes this movie so good is that the actual story, the actual human drama is something worth watching. Like at one point uh, I was telling Allie cause we saw it in theaters together and I was telling her like I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And normally in a movie like this, I would go whenever there was like not a lot of action. It was just kind of like some exposition. I'm like, okay, this is my perfect time. But I was so into the story that I didn't want to go to the bathroom because I wanted to know what was going on. And that just goes to show how much more engaging the human story of this film is. Uh, so bef also, let's just give you a little synopsis. Basically, uh, this takes place like right at the end of the war and uh, World War II, of course, and like kind of in the, in the aftermath of the Tokyo firebombs because it takes place in Tokyo and, you know, the Americans killed like 100,000 people in these firebombs, not, and not to mention all the property damage. And I mean, like literally the main character is living in the rubble of the city. I mean, he creates a shack out of all the pieces of rubble around him. Um, but he is actually the, the intro kind of shows you uh, Godzilla and like his really early form. And it's kind of a callback to the original Godzilla because um, in the original Godzilla, uh, Godzilla comes from this island called Odo. And that's where the intro of the movie takes place. The main character is a fighter pilot. He's a kamikaze pilot who is like saying that his plane is faulty. And so he's landing back on the island. But really, he just didn't want to kill himself. And who can blame him? But that's what's so interesting. And that, that one action of him coming back from being a kamikaze pilot comes back multiple times in the story. Because obviously in Japanese culture, if you were tasked by honor to be a kamikaze pilot, then you were serving your country with like the utmost duty by sacrificing your life to destroy the enemy. And that is insane, you know, especially to the American sentiment, that is just insane to us. But to them, I mean, that that was what you did. And throughout the movie, he's kind of hiding the fact that he was a kamikaze pilot because it's such a shameful thing. The fact that he could even say, like, just saying the words, I was a kamikaze pilot, immediately put shame on you because that means that you're still alive, which means you didn't do what you were supposed to do, which means it because of you, all this stuff happened. I mean, there's a couple lines like that where in their grief, the people that survived like the Tokyo bombing are uh, mad at him because they feel like if he would have just done his job like that he was supposed to, then they would never be like this. Obviously, that logic doesn't necessarily hold up, but considering the national... Uh, pride that was instilled that was honestly indoctrinated into the into the people the Japanese people at the time I mean I mean obviously there's the, the history goes really deep and if you're really into that kind of stuff you should listen to uh, uh, Hardcore history that podcast um, the supernova in the East series It's one of the, it's like the last series that he did um, Very very good series that kind of explains basically through the Japanese isolationist period 
up to World War II and explains kind of how that culture was created, how that structure of honor and blind nationalist duty was instilled into the entire population. Uh, very interesting. Go listen to those episodes if you find this kind of topic very interesting. Anyway, so this character, uh, he fails to be a kamikaze pilot, and when he comes back to the island of Odo, he encounters Godzilla, and Godzilla kills like everyone on the island, and he's one of the only survivors. So not only does he have survivor's guilt, but he also has this feeling like, though not this feeling, this knowledge that he basically left his duty and didn't kill himself like he was supposed to. And so he's got shame on shame on shame. Um, and that's kind of the setup. I mean, I won't get too much into it because well, I want you to experience it. But it, it does like that kind of theme of sacrifice for country is really big in this movie. And it's it almost overtakes like Godzilla is almost like a uh, vehicle for the Japanese people to almost have a a redemption of sorts. Maybe that's a weird way to say that. What I mean is. All the characters in this film uh, seem to feel pretty powerless after the wake of World War II. And, you know, the normal citizen was completely leveled. And even the military after World War II was forced to basically demilitarize. And it wasn't until 1951 that, they, that Japan was allowed to create another army. And so at this time during this movie, there's literally nothing that the Japanese people can do it feels like to fight against a new threat and so when Godzilla comes and starts destroying Tokyo again or a neighborhood of Tokyo it's like they are getting beat while they're already down and that actually lends itself to the name of the movie the movie is Godzilla minus one the reason why it's called that is because after the atomic bombs, after World War II, post-war Japan was kind of reset. It was set down to zero. Everything that had built up over the last hundreds of years had now been kind of leveled. And so they're at zero. And so then when Godzilla comes in, they kind of go below zero. So they go to minus one, which I think is a really cool concept to begin with. And uh, But anyway, that's kind of the idea, right? Like they are, they, have, they are defenseless. They don't have a military. They, have to, they basically have to rely on other militaries of the world to help them. And they're busy fighting the Soviets or, you know, the fighting the threat of the Soviets. So they don't want to uh, spend their resources to fight this monster. I mean, I mean, it would sound crazy anyway in real life. But you get the point. They, they, the people are just left to be attacked by this godlike monster. And so that's what's so interesting with Godzilla in this movie is that he feels like a force of nature. He feels like a conceptual being. Whereas in the American movies, he's just it's, the focus is mostly on like how powerful is he? Like how big of a monster is he? He's a big deal, you know. It's not as uh, it's not as conceptual. It's not he's not a vehicle for anything other than like something cool, which is fine. Of course, it's popcorn film kind of stuff. But like this movie, it definitely has there is a uh, a double meaning behind everything and 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 the. The culture and the political implications are, are very huge because a lot of the characters in the movie have a resentment towards their government. And that's what kind of the big deal is towards the end when they decide to fight back against Godzilla. It's not the government. It's not the military who fights back. It is a group of former Navy veterans, citizens that have decided that we are going to sacrifice our lives once again for the Japanese people. And what makes that so important is that they, they, like, they make a point of the fact that they are doing this not because the government told them to, not because they were conscripted, but because they feel like they want to protect the future of their 
country, the families of the future. They want to protect the existence of future humans, their future families. And they make this big point about how it's voluntary. You don't have to do this. Like, we're not making you do this. And I think that's definitely a direct uh, criticism of the way that the Japanese government during World War II compelled and conscripted their citizens to fight and die, especially in a war that they knew was going to be lost years before it was. And that is what I mean when I say that this movie is a bit of a redemption. It's a redemption arc for the Japanese people because they get to fight this next existential threat, but they get to do it on their terms without their government telling you you have to. They get to kind of redeem themselves from not only the failure of the war, but also from the shame that was created in the post-war situation that they lost, that they failed, uh, and that they were compelled to kill themselves, basically, in order to do this failing action. There's a lot going on there, obviously, and I'm not Japanese, so take a lot of what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But there is objectively a lot of criticism that is kind of leveled at Japanese government during World War II. And this is like a post-war movie, but there's so many callbacks to the way that the situation was during the war and the resentment that the citizens have for it. A lot of the people that didn't want to fight against Godzilla towards the end were saying things like, haven't we sacrificed enough? Why do we always have to be the people who have to go basically kill ourselves in order to keep everyone safe? I mean, there's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of just being tired of being sacrificed. I mean, if you think about the war, I mean, the the kamikaze pilots, bonsai raids, I mean, there's just so like it was part of the culture, especially the military culture, to just throw yourself at the enemy and, you know, use your body and your life as a aggressive blade uh, without any regard of your own life. And that, you know, has a, a cultural cost to it. And the psyche, the collective psyche of the Japanese people Um, obviously was affected by that. And I really appreciated how this movie used Godzilla as a vehicle for all of those concepts to be played out. On top of that, the movie was also super action-packed and great. Like the scenes when Godzilla did come in, it was a spectacle. It was a spectacle on the level of what you would expect of a Godzilla movie, if not even more so in some instances, especially the scene where he attacks Tokyo um, seeing him attack Tokyo in like the late 1940s is a really unique thing. I don't think that we've ever seen that. Um, maybe in the 1954 movie, it's like in the 50s or something, but obviously. But um, you've never seen it kind of in this like, it's like a Godzilla period piece, which is really interesting too. Um, but also when he like charges his laser and does his heat ray, it is insane. Like I, it's been a while since I've watched a movie in theaters where I've been just like, whoa. And that's how I felt when I saw this movie, Uh, especially the scenes where he shoots his laser. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. And on top of that, the most insane thing about this movie, and this is the thing that a lot of people know about this, but um, it's just worth mentioning. This movie was made on a $15 million budget. And if that doesn't drop your jaw, it should. Because most movies these days, especially that look uh, as good as this and and as big budget, big epic movies like this, they're at least $100 million, at least. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if this movie was a $100 million movie or or more. Um, But nope, 
15 million dollars and it looks this good i mean i really feel like this movie is going to shape up the entire industry because if you can make a movie look this good with 15 million dollars think about the profit and it might it might cause big budget studios to really rethink about how they use utilize cgi how do they utilize their resources in order to provide a movie i mean two hours and four minutes 15 million dollars and just right now, I mean, the movie didn't come out, but it came out like a month ago, and the movie's already made $88 million. Now, that's $88 million on top of $15 million. If the budget was $100 million, they still would be in the red right now. Like, think about how insane that is. I don't know what they did. I mean, I, I can't wait to see later uh, whenever stuff comes out of the wash, and you get to see, like, I would love to see a making of of this film because the idea that they made this movie with such a little budget, and it looks like it does. I mean, watch it. Go watch the movie because you will see that it is a spectacle. The CGI is great. There are insane scenes in this movie like that would obviously require a lot of money, and yet they made it on such a low budget for a movie like this. I mean, truly a, a shoestring budget. I mean, for example, and, and I know I keep using this movie as a reference, but I think it's a really good reference because the movie House of Wax, which is a great movie, but it's a slasher movie, had a $40 million budget. Now, that's a high, that's a high budget for a slasher movie but at the same time they made that movie in 2005 on a 40 million dollar budget this film is on par with any of the big action movies uh spectacle movies of this year of 2023 and yet it was it was less than half of that budget for a 2005 movie like i i, I can't ex express this any clearer it is insane that they made this movie with such a low budget and on top of that, there's all kinds of little fun things like uh, the Godzilla scream. And talking about callbacks to the original, the Godzilla scream is actually the exact original scream just played over loudspeakers and, re and over-recorded. So they basically just played the, the original sound from the original movie over giant speakers and just like pressed record on that boosted sound and said, that's it. Which is really cool. It's a callback to the original. And, you know, that's the fun thing about Godzilla 2. And, and there's not that much trivia that I've seen already, but there will be eventually all kinds of fun ways in which they use sound design. And Godzilla is like its own um, engineering feat when it comes to how they use the sounds and how they construct him, the designs, all that kind of stuff. The design of Godzilla in this movie, too, is really interesting. It's, it's a, He's a little derpy. But in a way that I think maybe is a callback to the original. I've seen at least one of the old Godzilla suit like movies. And he is like very derpy looking. Almost cute. Almost because he's just so derpy. And in this one it, it is really derpy. But in a fun way. I, I think it was great. I, I, I don't... I don't have any problems with the design. Uh, really thick, man. That, Godzilla's got some thick thighs. I tell you what. And little arms. It, it's, I don't know. This is fun. Uh, but still felt like a force to be reckoned with, too. Because there's like this great scene where they put basically a sea mine in his mouth. And it like blows off half his face. And then you watch it and it just like grows back. And you're just like, oh my god, what do we do? Um, yeah, so cool. I also really enjoyed the logic behind the ways in which they tried to... Um, actually defeat Godzilla in the end I thought it was pretty clever and it's like it's really interesting to see like what would a 1948 Japanese citizen army do what kind of plan would they come up with in order to take down like basically a god and that's also cool too because in most movies um, with Godzilla, it's always like tons, like armies and and tons of equipment and specialists that are coming to try to take him out, and they can't even do it. 
Uh, so it's really cool to see just these like normal Japanese citizens band together to try to figure something out. And I think once again, it goes back to the concept. And on top of everything, it's just something different. It's just a Godzilla movie like you haven't seen before. And I think that's worth looking at too. So I think I'm going to give this movie an 8.5 out of 10 for just killing it. I mean, there's some of the acting was, I mean, for me a little yikesy, but at the same time, I don't know. I think it might just be the Japanese, like sometimes the Japanese acting could be very like overacting. Um, but at the same time, I, I enjoyed it. I was still invested in the characters. Um, and it had a little bit, it had a positive ending. And I really appreciated that because there was a lot of uh, sadness and tragedy in the movie. And so it was really, it was really nice to have a, a, a positive ending. Um, so that I could like get out of the theater and not feel horrible. Uh, I really appreciated that too. So 8.5 out of 10, a incredible what they did on this budget. Um, really uh, cool political, social commentary. I love the metaphorical nature of Godzilla in this film versus some of these American ones I've seen in recent years. Um, really, really a, some different stuff for a, just an action epic movie. They really created a lot of depth and that is really important. I mean, an action movie is cool just to begin with. Like, if you have good action in a movie, like a John Wick movie, for example, it's there's not much depth to it, but it, it does it so well that it's super fun to watch, and I'd still give it a high rating. But if you can do all that action and give us a deep, affecting story, then bravo. you just done a good job. And people are gonna, probably going to be talking about this movie for a while, and I can see why, because it was just it was a blast to watch, and it was also emotionally resonant while also being intellectually stimulating. So just firing on all cylinders there. Love this film. Uh, next week, we're getting into Shin Godzilla. I have heard some good stuff about it, and it also just looks like pretty wacky. Like the Godzilla design looks really interesting. So I can't wait to talk about that next week. So that's it for this week. I hope you guys have a great week, and I will see you next Friday.